supposing this room has a dimmer and you come at night and you look it is all dark you cannot see anything then slowly you start using your dimmer and brightening the light now that light and darkness have nothing in common they are opposite things but once that as the light starts increasing you will start seeing forms appearing right now keep increasing the light keep on increasing till one point comes where the light becomes so bright that again nothing is seen so whether it's full light or full dark you don't see anything but there is a point where every object will receive light from one side and darkness from the opposite side and that light and shade when they come together you will see the object so they are like whiteboard on that we are writing with a black marker they have nothing in common one is white one is black but only when the black is written on the white can you see the letters can the form appear so everything is a co- combination of two this is an example in light and darkness but the same principle operates in everything in the manifested world from the subatomic particle to the biggest galaxy these two forces are always acting one part is the bright part and one part is the dark part they are opposite in nature that is the paradox that he is talking about that how do these two opposite things create the world so in garland of visions he is saying that god or the absolute has these two inherent in it when it manifests it will manifest both those powers together one part of it will become tajasi one part will become tamasi so of the, the same of the same absolute one creator one prabhu or vibhu or whatever you call it the moment manifestation takes place it will take these two tajasi tamasi two factors will emerge from the same absolute we say heliotropic and geotropic is a very good example we see it right in front of us imagine that it happening even in subtler levels but the same principle is happening everywhere in the manifested world in the case of religions they make it into two forces opposing each other mm-hmm. and they then the paradox arises where did this other force come from that they are not able to explain that is a problem of that omniscient omnipresent and omnipotent god mm. the god is supposed to be omniscient all knowing mm. god is supposed to be all these things then how did something opposing opposed to god come into existence that means he is not omniscient that means he doesn't know everything that means he is not all omnipotent because he allowed a mm. opposite person to come up so that is a paradox which they don't address but in the in the science of absolute that paradox is to be addressed you cannot brush it aside it is staring at you in the face and saying what about this paradox this contradiction mm. so that is now expressed as, as these two both are coming from the same source mm. and this is explained in the vishwarupa darshana of the bhagavad gita also because when 
Arjuna has the cosmic vision. Mm. When he sees his ordinary vision, he is seeing this world as it is. But when he has the cosmic vision, the Vishwarupa, then he sees that all these things are going on together. The worst cruelty and goodness and death and destruction. If you read uh, Kali Natakam, there he has masterfully put both the, the goddess in her benign form and goddess in her terrible form. Both are juxtaposed, put together. So once an absolutist understands that, that both of these, these things belong together to the absolute. Every time I breathe, I'm living, but every breath I take is also my death. Both are put together. So that is the nature of this cyclic creation. The moment creation happens, these two forces also must appear. And they are working in opposition. One is going downwards, other is going upwards. One is going down to the nutrition, the other is going up to the sun for energy. In our consciousness also, our unconscious, our subconscious mind, it goes down into the vasanas. Our conscious mind goes to our dreams and fulfillments and our achievements. Both are happening together. So he says two sides of the same coin. There is one coin, one side you call heads and one side you call tails. But you can't say tails without the heads. You can't say head without the tail. So both are in the one coin. One coin itself has those two aspects. So then why is always God presented on the positive side? That is, human beings have done that. That is what he is saying, that positive sciences, once the science, if you look at Greeks, Greek tragedy, in Greek culture there was no religion as such. It was drama, the play. And every year they used to stage the dramas, Sophocles and other playwrights. Mm -hmm. And the dramas were tragic, tragic and com comedies and tragedies. In the tragedies, they showed how human beings, because of their error, their ego, their pride, all these kind of characters, how they go to complete destruction. But that was like an education for the people. That both these aspects of life exist. There is a tragic aspect and then there is a, what you call successful or in the modern world, what has happened is that we are not showing the tragic aspects, but they still appear, but we don't consciously try to show. We are always sugarcoating everything to make it look very, very nice. That is the positive. We show the positive side. Even the philosophies tell you, be positive, which is okay, good. But in the shadow of the positive will be the negative also. Continue yes, it will be there unless you transcend it. Unless you transcend both the positive and the negative. That is the absolutist stand. How can you transcend it? When you find the common ground where they meet, then the paradox is. In. And that is what the absolute science of the absolute is going to tell us. How do you 
come to the meeting place, the ground of these two. That is the neutral. That is why in the wisdom tradition we are supposed to cultivate neutrality. Not going in positive, not going negative. In the neutral position you get the proper vision, you get a proper understanding. And that is the symbol when uh, Arjuna said, take my chariot to the middle of the battlefield. That is the same idea, that he wanted to see both sides of a situation. To see both sides of a situation, you have to be in the, in the center. And the mind will not come to the center on its own, because the tendency of the mind is to get polarized, either positively or negatively. So it is only through training and through wisdom that one learns to bring the mind to the center. And once you bring the mind to the center, your new understanding starts opening up. Wisdom, you start becoming, you get the wisdom eye, you begin to see things as they are, without color, without any polarity in it. Otherwise, either you are positively inclined, or you are negatively, either you are elated, elated or you are depressed. <clears throat> there is, between that is the real point, the, the center point. So that center point, in, if you take this uh, vertical horizontal scheme, is where the two intersect. The center point, that is the eye. eye the origin. That is neither horizontal nor vertical. It is neutral. Yeah, but in the real world, how can this be implemented or, you know... That is, that is the, the, the training that you get if you are practice, if you, if you read uh, yoga literature, they are all training you to come to the center. Especially Bhagavad Gita is a very good text for that. Sukha dukha samakritva labha labha jaya jaya. What does that mean? Sukha and dukha samakritva. Labha labha. But collectively, you have to see that when the person bring, when you bring yourself to the center, your whole understanding of the world changes. You are saying collective because you have an idea that you belong to this, to a group of people, you will say collective. Who is, who is that collective? But if you transcend that feeling of, you know, individual or collective, you become absolute, no? Either you are absolute or you are a relative. You are in the relative domain or you are in the absolute domain. If you become absolute, then there is no relative. If you are relative, then you cannot experience the absolute. Again, it's the same idea, light and darkness, you can't have both together. Justice and justice, these are again things which are human constructs. So when Nietzsche said beyond good and evil, and the superman, Ubermans, hmm, it got distorted. It, that was what inspired Hitler to commit all those crimes. So there is a danger there. That is why we have the, the gurus to keep us on track. If that gets out of hand, yes, you create a megalomaniac. It was actually Nietzsche's writings, his sister was his editor. 
he was sick for many years. Of final, about eight or nine years, he was almost bedridden, I think. During that time, his sister was looking after him and she edited all his writings. And she gave it a slant, she gave it a little bit of a, a Nazi slant. And that was picked up by the yes idea of the superman and the idea of a super race and all that. This is all started by ideas that he gave in a in a different context. He was talking of the superman in the spec Zarathustra. He speaks about the superman. God is dead. He's the first man to say that God is dead. He realized that religion is now getting out of human importance. Science, technology, machinery, fact, all that was coming in. And he realized people don't need God anymore. And he said God is dead. Anyway, that, is, that shows how this can go. It can go completely, can go off track if there is uh, any egoism or... But in its pure form, it leads to transcendence. And it leads you to a pure notion of the Absolute, normative notion. When he says normative notion of the Absolute, that is a norm. And that, with the help of that norm, you renormalize. So first part of it is to get the norm. Before you have the norm, we are like eccentric. Everybody is off the center. Then by study, you find the norm. Then you apply renormalize. So normalization and renormalization, these have to go together. That is in the, the the method suggested here. So it's a contemplative method. It is by being self-aware, aware of one's own consciousness, and then aware of these two principles operating. See, he's building it up very beautifully. First, he's a dreamer. And it is very vague, it is a dream. Then the magician, it becomes a little more concrete. But it is still doesn't touch necessity at all. Then comes the seed. Now we are coming ontological. Then the seed sprouting. So function. In that function now, Taijisi and Tamasi. You see how he has developed it. Then, Adatma Vidya Sankocha Stada Vidya Bhanga. But if self-knowledge shrinks, then the world appears as very Bhayanak. So now you've come to understand why is, why is the world looking very hostile or terrible place. Because self-knowledge has come down. Bhayankaram idam shunyam vetalanagaram yatha etc. etc. And then with that he brings you back to Saparaha Sarva Eva Saha. It takes you back to the para. So there is a system scheme within the verse also. Just like there is an overall scheme between the ten chapters, there is a scheme between the ten verses also. Usually the fifth verse will be having some pivotal factor. The last verse will give you some sort of conclusive evidence. Next chapter, he'll say, Chidanand, Satchidanandam Eva, you know, everything is Satchidanandam. 
This Guru Muni pointed out, all the verses have it except Maya. Maya Darshanam doesn't have a final conclusion. conclusion. Yeah, <laughs> cannot give a conclusion. So it's very wonderfully, also very structured also. All the verses are put in a, with a definite frame in mind. They're not haphazardly put together. <laughs>